Hello. How's it going? Good. Oh, hang on. Yeah, I'm not my audio. My, uh, I'm not right. So no. Oh, uh, now I'm now I'm way loud. Oh no, we're good. We're good. Uh, we're good. Wow, the mic microphone is the uh, ATR, and yeah. the speaker is AirPods Max. How about that? Well, like there you Max? go. <laughs> AirPods, AirPods Max. Um. All right. Well, well, here we are. Let's let's do this. Let's do this thing. Um. <laughs> I, think, I think Zoom might be better than uh, Skype. At, at figuring out where your headphones are. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. it does. It is. Um, I, uh, I'm doing a, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you, um, I, I don't know if this is the right way to do it. I'm going to inform you that I'm in a podcast cheat on you before I actually do it. Do you, would you rather me do that I, instead I, of after? I think that's the, that's what you do when you have an open podcast relationship. Yeah. You always want to just like say, you just want to check, check in, in, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, are you, are you comfortable? Are you good with this? Um, so I'm doing, a, I'm doing a podcast um, th this is what I was working on before we, before we started. Um, so it, it is, it's a podcast for, well, and, and you know, by the time we post this, it might've already happened on medical grounds. Never heard of this podcast, but I'm going to be on it. And, uh, um, cause you 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 know, a lot about medical grounds. I'm, well, I know about being on medical grounds, uh, medical <laughs> mystery cases, <laughs> Anyway, oh, it's yeah. Cool. So, but but it's not about it's not about medical mystery cases at all. It's going to be about food safety and like COVID. I, I, yeah. So, but um, <laughs> you don't sound completely sure. Well, I'm not. I, I'm not entirely sure. So, so, but here here is the the fun thing. So, um, I I was going back and forth with the person who invited me, and they uh, said, "Hey." Um, we will, could, could you all send us a bio, which I, which I have. And then also, could you send me your address? Because we're going to ship you a professional quality microphone with a return mailer. And, um, and I said, well, I have this ATR audio technica ATR 2500 X USB. Will that do? And and they checked into it and they said that should be just fine. So so we we have made whatever we have chosen, <laughs> we are making it um to like to, to our equipment as at the standards of on medical grounds. <laughs> well, that's something. It is it is on medical on medical grounds. Okay, go look at this website because they first of all, they have a cool logo. Uh -huh. Secondly, it's on medical grounds and then they have like a coffee cup. So it's like, a, you know, coffee grounds, oh, coffee grounds. Yeah. And yeah. on medical grounds, OMG. And it's OMG. I didn't know that. OMG. Like that's oh, clever. Wow. There's a lot yeah. of, there's a yeah, lot of clever. A, yeah. That's like, uh, is that, is that putting a hat on a hat? I, it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a controversial hat on a controversial hat. Um, it, so it's, uh, this I'm going to read you something else. Select sponsored podcasts offer continuing medical education credits, while others are OMG originals on topics that need to be stirred. Perks include oh, links. Oh, there's a lot here. It's a little. I think they're, working, I think it's, they're working the they're working the puns a little bit hard. I think it's cute. I think it's cute. I like it. it. Yes. I'm. I'm. A, I didn't expect to see it. In fact, I looked at the website 
yesterday and I didn't catch any of this and so mainly because I didn't read it. Um, now I've read, now I've read it. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to, I'm, I'm, yeah, for our open podcast relationship, I'm going to do this and, uh, and then I'll, when it, when it's posted, I'll, I'll let you know, I'll talk again uh, about it here. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it looks like they do a, it looks like I'm looking at the, the one that's up right now, which is, um, the May 18th, 2021, they must produce more often than they that, must. right? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and it's, uh, it's a credit that you can, you can, you can take it for accreditation or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's one, huh. is, is that on, um, variants, antivirals and vaccinations and health literacy? Oh, no, no. I, 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 for some reason it found one about a bicycle accident. Now, oh. now I'm, I'm back to the main page now. Oh, so, yeah. yes. Oh, yes. an orthopedic surgeon, a bike rack can stop in the use of stopping That's the cycle the of opioid use. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I see it. Is it, yeah, it is, it's cool. Um, yeah, so stuff. anyway, I will, yeah. So I know, um, one of the people who, who is the host of this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, her name's Jane, Jane Caldwell and she used to be here at NC state. So, um, she's, well, a, well, they have, I think they have different hosts though. Cause yeah, the bike, the bike rack one had some different people on. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. All right. I'm, yeah. So I guess well, that's Jane, cool. this is like, hmm, this is actually like a real professional podcast. With, yeah. Uh, you know, rotating cast of hosts. Yeah. <laughs> And one that looks um, shockingly like George Clooney. Um, so, so I was going to say Dr. Oz, but yes. Well, I say the <laughs> it, it, somewhere in between Dr. Oz and George Clooney, in one of those face swaps, as they as as they the kids use on the on the TikTok. Um, yeah, but they have they have, tr- they have full transcripts on all of these. Yeah, they do. Wow. <laughs> They got several professional <laughs> well here's the thing our microphone is up to their standards i think that's the most important part of this that we we've we're using the right things um so in the ongoing saga of the uh porta potty i just want to report quickly um it is still missing so so i oh yeah yeah i told you in the last episode that it had moved right did I? Was well, that, that wasn't that the canonical title of the episode? So I think so. Thrice moved. Thrice moved. Uh, moved. Body, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's still moved, um, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's no moved to somewhere where you don't know where it is. Right, right. Like uh, you know what I think it is now? It's like the the Doctor Who um, porta potty that that travels right. around. The, the is that artist? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay. So speaking, this is good. Just really good segue. Speaking of Doctor Who, which is a British television show, on your I'm sure our listeners have never heard of it. Yeah, on your recommendation, but I don't know if you really recommended it to me. Um, I now subscribe to BritBox. Um, oh, good for you. Yes. Yeah. Well, mainly because you would you'd ask me if I'd watch, and I don't know if we talked about it on the show or if it was over text, but you had asked if I'd watch The Cleaner. Um, and the only place that the cleaner exists yes. is on BritBox. BritBox. So, so I, I can report that I now subscribe to BritBox, but I still have not viewed the oh, cleaner. But you, um, but you subscribe for purposes of watching the cleaner. Correct. And you know my my favorite show of um, British panel show, um, Would I Lie to You, which has a new season, and some of the episodes that I couldn't get on YouTube are on BritBox. So that's what we've spent time doing is watching that. So we're not, we we need to, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff going away for two weeks, Dawn, and really not watching TV puts you behind in TV viewing. 
You're just, just so you know, you're behind um, on your work. You're behind on your your personal life. It's I. That's why I never go on vacation. Yeah, I'm I'm behind on my TV. Um. So so the um the book of Boba Fett came out. I've not finished Hawkeye. Wait, that, wait book of Boba Fett is that on Disney? Yes. Yeah. Oh, book of. I, whoa, gotta oh, watch that. Oh, you do. So, um, did you watch the Mandalorian? Yeah, of course, loved it. Good. Yeah, it was so good. So this is. I mean, it, it's because John Favreau made it. It feels similar. Oh, he does a podcast. <laughs> no, that's a different one. That's a, that, yeah, that's the straight shooter uh, respected by both sides. No, uh, that's, I think you're thinking of the other. That's the other John. <laughs> um, so, so, so the the um, book of Boba, Boba Fett. So two things I want to tell you about that I watched over the holidays, which are the only things. Um, the book of Boba Fett has all the first episode 40 minutes long has almost no dialogue like oh, excellent it's and it's it. beautiful like it mm-hmm. is i it is so i i just i i can't speak highly enough about how disney the conglomerate that mm-hmm. is disney knows how to tell stories and knows like what what they've done with with the star wars enterprises uh or, yeah, they did. They didn't screw it up, and no, in fact, they made it good. They made it great, and so, so I, th- this the the first episode was like I I thought was very artful. It was just beautifully done, and no, you know the the words left unsaid is what what it's all about. And man, it was it was so good. So so anyway, we were we 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 watched that, but I'm behind on Hawkeye. But the other thing that I watched that I put in my notes to talk to you about today, and I want to know, have you seen Don't Look Up yet? No, I've heard people talking about it. Um, and, I, you know, and the, there's a lot, I don't know how, I don't know if you know this about the internet, Ben, but there's a lot of hot takes. about Oh, all, all, I have heard all the hot takes. I, uh, I have so much British TV sh- to watch that I, ha- I haven't gotten around to that. You're uh, I did you're behind. My, I, I did tell my wife we need to watch Book of Boba Fett. That's right up there. Um, Don't Look Up is, yeah, it's not is not up there, but yeah. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna give you some some homework that you don't need to do. It, it's it's like um, uh, it's like you're auditing the course, and this yeah. is optional homework. Um, okay. I, but I think you're so I really enjoyed it as you know someone who talks about science on the internet. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, I, I think I, I'm, I, you know, I, I might've shared with you I, um, in, in the past, I think that Leonardo DiCaprio is in a, um, a small group of, of actors and I'll put Jennifer Lawrence in this in a small group of actors that, that just don't do bad movies, like mm-hmm. movies that I enjoy. They may, they may not be right. great movies, but I really mm-hmm. enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it it's, I think it's great, but, but you'll, I think you'll appreciate it differently than someone who doesn't do what we do. Uh, and that, that's oh, the, yes. right, right. Like, like that. So, so the frame that I, I really enjoyed it from was, was there and I watched it. Um, oh, I watched another movie, which I will not recommend, which there are also a lot of hot takes on the internet about um, another Netflix property called way of the dog. Okay. Um, and I was at the dog, is that it? No, it's lessons from a dog. Way, way, way of the dog. Is that? No, way of the dog is something different. Um, it's about a dog. What I learned from dog. 
Watch Benedict. the power of the dog. That's it. Benedict Cumber Cumberbatch. Oh yes. Um, not not my favorite. Not my favorite movie. Okay. Um, but but in the yeah, uh, text from the, I'm like googling things here. Don't Google text from dog Benedict. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> but yeah, what is it? Power of the dog. Power of the dog. Yeah, that's it. Uh, not my favorite. Um, people people really loved it. Um, it, it didn't. So I, um, the, these are two movies that I watched with my family and we move being at someone else's house. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, <laughs> being at someone's house, someone else's house for two weeks is, you, you know, you're not in your, it, it was a wonder, it was a really, really great um, trip, but you're not in your comfort zone, right? Like it's not your TV. You, you know, with Danny, Danny and I, we've got our, we got our relationship figured out, right? Like if I turn a movie on that one of us doesn't like, it's really easy for the other one to say, if you want to watch this, you should watch this on your own. Let's right. not finish let's, it. Let, yeah, let's, <laughs> let, let's, yes, we're, this is, this is us time, not yes. your time or me time. This is us time. And so it has to be something that we both want to watch. Right, right. Or, right. or uh, it has to be, you have to be okay with the other person, um, like playing with their phone instead of right. watching it. Right, right. And this yeah. was, a, this was a movie where we, we added two more people into the mix, into that planning and execution of a movie mix and and none of us even though we're you know we're, oh, we're it's, family it's well it's here's the thing if you're trying to figure out where to go to eat and there's right. two of you it's, right if it's just one of you it's not that hard if there's two of you it's more than twice as hard and then it it scales exponentially right it three does. people four people, five people, or it's like when you're trying to schedule a meeting, right? If I want to schedule a meeting with myself, I can do that. Scheduling a meeting with one other person, it's hard. Three people, suddenly way harder. Four, again, just, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard problem to solve. Yeah. It, it is. And, and you're, you don't want to, you know, it's, especially when you're not the host, you don't want to. Oh, yeah, you don't be rude. No, and, no. And not only that, you're Canadian. So you're like doubly not rude. Right. So, so we got, here's the thing. We got to the end of this movie, two hours and five minutes. Mm -hmm. All four of us said, wow, that was a really terrible movie. We shouldn't have watched we it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. But no one said that during the movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because you're not, being really polite. Yeah. Right. Right. And, <laughs> and so, so anyway, that was, um, th those were the two, the two things that we, that we watched. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't great, but I, I, uh, well, that one wasn't great, but I really enjoyed don't look up. I'm not going to give you my, my full hot take other than I, I thought it was great. Um, and then we got the, then we got the Brett box. So we're watching panel shows. Um, that was, you know, we, over the, the two weeks that we were away, I, I spent, I felt like I was caught up on my news reading. I got mm -hmm. to sleep. Like I did all the things that I wanted to do. We, we had, um, we created our own little bubble of, uh, of family. So, so my, um, not to opsec, uh, too much, but my parents, my, my in-laws, um, that, which is, which includes both, um, Danny's dad and mom and, and her stepmom, uh, and then, um, my sister-in-law really, those are the only people that we saw for two weeks. And, and it was, and they, they didn't see anybody else either. Like we, we, we were all very, cautious 
with the rise of Omicron in not just in Canada and in the U.S., but everywhere, um, we we didn't want to get we really didn't want to have a positive test and then get stuck in Canada for another ten days. Oh, yeah. um, and and so we so and everybody really bought into that. So so it was a re, like normally when we travel to Canada we visit, we, we cram in to 10 days seeing like 80 people and we didn't mm-hmm. do that. Oh, and it was not, way yeah. less stressful. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we sat around and played games and did really relaxing things. We skated a bunch and played um, shinny hockey in, uh, uh, in, in a, a series of, of arenas. And that was, that was good too. So yeah, it was, it was nice. It was a nice time away, but anyway, Brit, Brit box. And, uh, so thanks for the, for, for the recommendation that was maybe not over recommendation. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. what, yeah. How did the, how did the holidays treat you? Don? Good. We didn't, we didn't go anywhere. We didn't do anything. We did. We did have uh, a past guest of the podcast, yeah. uh, Matt Collins over to cook dinner for us. And he cooked a really nice dinner and he's coming back uh, this month to cook another dinner for us. So um, what, and then, so was it yeah, just for so, the two of you? Did you have yeah, any yeah, family? No, just, oh, the, that's just, cool. no, just the two of us, two of us. Yeah. So what did you have? Tell me about, oh, tell me about gosh. your dinner with Matt. Um, well, all right. So it's gonna, I this requires some research. So hold on. I, um, I can tell you, I'm gonna, it's gonna be easier to tell you, um, what he's making for us in January um because that i have in my i'll tell you what let's 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 look forward let's look Um, forward um wait no oh yeah let's look forward so what he's going to make for us this month is spice crusted seared tuna with shaved fennel and greens that's the first course next course whipped talego cheese charred leeks and onions hazelnuts okay third course Fresh pots, fresh pasta, eggplant, caponata, mascarpone, and herbs. Fourth course, braised short ribs, local grits, roast parsnips and carrots. And then uh, dessert course, strawberry gelato, fresh berries, graham cracker crumble. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah. So that's, that's what we, uh, that's what we, that's what we made. Uh, That's what he made. Um, Let me see. I can find, um, yeah, I can. All right. And I'll tell you what he made for us uh, this last time. So um, I found that now too. First course, home cured salmon, pickled greens and, uh, and green herb oil. Second course, honey glazed squash, farro, pistachio duca. Third course, veal roulade, roasted potatoes and tanano sauce. Fourth course, duck breast, parsnip puree, lapsang tea, natural jus. And then the, uh, the the last course is hazelnut and chocolate quote cheesecake close quote, <laughs> which is it's like a deconstruct it's a deconstructed cheesecake basically. Oh, that's awesome! So yeah. that that sounds really that sounds really cool. And you know, yeah. think um, I'd uh, I'd love to do something like this. I need a Matt. I need yeah, a Matt Collins in my area. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can look up personal chef and see what yeah, you yeah. find. But that's not uh, about it. This, this is a good idea. Like that's something cool. Um, to do that's different, certainly different than going to a, to a restaurant and, and super personal, right? Like you, you get to interact with, with Matt or with the other personal chef and, and it's a tailored kind of 
kind of menu and uh, it sounds it sounds good maybe i should do this yeah it was it was yeah it was really nice i mean it's, it's not cheap but i mean we haven't no. been going out to eat we haven't been traveling so it's like we, we have the resources and and honestly mostly i mean not mostly i mean obviously i like to eat good food and and but i i also wanted to support a local businessman who's trying to make a go of it and also like uh you know he's like i remember him from when he was a kid and uh it's just cool to see um that he's like you know he's he's got a successful life now <laughs> yeah really yeah no nice. that's that's awesome cool um so uh we got we got covid things going on because that's the name of the game everywhere um, oh my gosh we were all you know in our in our uh text uh channel with our friends uh linda and michelle we were all sharing uh graphs of oh. what the caseloads look like in our at our respective institutions and man it's just crazy right now they all look the same Absolutely. except for they, florida's they, yeah which what are they doing right in florida you know i don't know that's what i want to know hey the more you test the more you find that's what they that's what they say is that what they say <laughs> we wouldn't have so many cases if we didn't test so much right isn't that what they is that what they well, say? that's for? that's for sure that's, that's true yeah, yeah. Uh, oh man um yeah so so there's a lot there's a lot going on in in that in that area i'm i'm concerned um you know i've got i got i've got like different concerns now with my with my new role in, in oh, administration yes. oh my like gosh, yes and what, one of the things that that i'll you know i'll, I'll share this because i i don't think unless you're in the world of academia and teaching um it's it's maybe not super super obvious so so yeah there's i think there's concerns around instructors getting in, exposed but a bigger concern that i've been sort of asked about from a few faculty members is how do we best handle students missing? Like we, let's anticipate that I'm always going to be missing somewhere between 10% and 30% of the students in my class based on case rates, right? right. How do I manage right. that? <laughs> what am I supposed to do if I'm teaching face-to-face -face and, and they're going to miss, we're always going to be short, they're always going to be missing a week. And well, what do I do I, for I expectations? Think, I, I think what you should do is teach online and have everything recorded. That, yeah. Honestly, that's what you should do. I mean, and I know, you know, I mean, the, 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 my university had plans to be in person. In fact, they were being rather strict about it. Like, no, you, you have to get special permission if you want to do an online class and yada, yada, yada. Um, and I, I just think that was foolish. I mean, I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to drive students to campus. They're trying to, you know, fill the dormitories. They're trying to, because, you know, and they're trying to fill the dining halls because that's, those are all revenue generators for the university, right? Or at least that they're, you're losing less money if you, if you, if you have those things full. And I, I don't, I, that was not in retrospect, that was not a very good strategy, I think, right? Um, we, sh we should have had, and we, of course, everybody was always planning to do online, you know, as a backup plan. And certainly at, at Rutgers, we're doing, we, we're delaying the arrival of students at this point until the end of January. Um, and we're gonna be 100% um, remote instruction and also everything else remote um, for January, which I think is a very, very smart move. 
Um, but, but what happens after that? I don't know. And it's weird too, because the other uncertain thing with all of this is, you know, we saw in, in South Africa and, uh, and other Southern African countries where Omicron was so prevalent, it shot up and then it dropped. Right. Right. And, and, and so is the same thing going to happen here? And then, and again, I was here to, listening to a podcast. It was probably this week in virology, the update with, uh, with Daniel Griffin. Or Griffith, which whichever is his name, um, where he was talking about, well, well, yes, we see it shooting up in certain states right now, but what's going to happen? It's going to come down in those states, but it hasn't. It's not like it's going to come down everywhere. It's going to actually just move to different parts different. of the country. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, I don't know. This is one of those. I, I don't, well, I had a conversation today with um, one, one of our friends, um, Larry Goodrich. Uh, from from University of Guelph mm-hmm. about a project that we're working on, and then we we really started talking about um, COVID. And I think that this this is one I, I maybe realized something as I was talking to him that right. that, I, that or at least articulated it. So one of the things you you and I and, and others who are in this world, whether it's infectious disease, food safety, public health, what whatever it is, you know, like our our community. We look at this um, over the last um, you know, 20 months or so as a bucket of information that we continue to add stuff to, right? Mm-hmm. And, and our, our views today, you know, like I, I, I looked at what, where, where our cases were, where our hospitalizations are, all, all of that, and thought, you know, based on what we're seeing, I, I'm, I feel in my gut that this is going to be a really rough eight weeks. And, and that's, that's because I've been watching this for, for a long time and immersed in it. And then there, there's there, the, the part that I think is really difficult. If I think about the community of people that I interact with who are not in the world of science and even those who are at like, who are here at NC state, but are not biologists, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's too generic, but, but they, they, they often, or many of them look at this as snapshots, right? And that right. this appears to be a surprise to them that this is happening now. But I, I don't right. like, it's certainly not a surprise to, to a lot of us that are, that keep adding information to our bucket and we don't forget because we're not looking at it as just a series of snapshots. Does that make, right. does that make sense? Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. In fact, I was, I'm, I'm well, I'm surprised it is so high, but I'm absolutely not surprised that the cases are going up, right? Because it's right. like, it's winter time. And, yep. you know, and then, and again, when you add on, I mean, so I'm, I would not have predicted it would go this high, but it doesn't really surprise me that it's gone this high because we've heard that Omicron is more transmissible, right? Um, we've also heard that it's less serious. I'm not sure that it's less serious. It is less serious if you've been vaccinated and boosted, I think. Um, and then maybe it's generally uh, coronavirus, you know, uh, SARS-CoV-2 is less serious because we've got um, treatments now, right? We've got monoclonal antibody treatments and other treatments, you know, more and more coming all the time, right? And so we were better able to manage it, like, right? Fewer people are getting really sick because of because of uh, vaccines. And then the people that do get really sick, well, there's, we have treatments now and we've learned, you know, like try at all costs to avoid intubating people. Cause if you intubate them, probably they're gonna die, right? Uh, right? So that's not a good strategy. So keep them off intubation as much as possible. And so we've learned a lot, but 
but yeah, I mean, this is, and it, yeah, again, it, from a, I, th I think about this on a fairly regular basis as a scientist, like just sort of getting that emotional distance and it's hard, but it's not, it's not that hard uh, getting uh, some emotional distance. I mean, it's sort of the same thing we do when we talk when I, what, what I do anyway, when I think about food poisoning and I make risk models and stuff and it's like, oh yeah, you know, I ran the scenario and, and, you know, a thousand people got sick in the simulation on my computer and so many people died. And, but those, that's, that's very, so I have, I, again, maybe it's the way my brain works. Maybe it's because the work that I do, I have this, this ability to kind of abstract and separate, which is not good if you're trying to have compassion for people, but, but it, I think about this with respect to the pandemic and the virus in, in particular, it's fascinating, right? Like this, there is this little bundle of RNA with protein and lipid, and it just goes around and it does what it does. And right. how, how amazing is that, right? And again, it's tragic and there's deaths and it's, it's disrupting the economy and people's lives are worse because of it. But, but just from a purely scientific point of view, it's fascinating, right? And if that makes you sound like a monster, I apologize. But but I you know I I, I am really continually struck by how how really amazing the virus is. Oh, yeah, absolutely, and and just what we've collectively learned and continue to talk about around virology is is really, um, yeah, I don't know. Like fa fascinating is probably the right word. It's it, it, it you know it's probably not it's probably not exciting. But but just you know the the differences, mutations, deletions. Like I, I had a conversation with my um, with my mother in law about this over the holidays, and and so the, you know she's an individual. So she's a, a school teacher, but uh, at really younger grades, not not in sort of sciences. And she's like, well, how do how do variants happen? Like, why have I never heard about a variant before? before this like is this new is oh this you have virus? though you have you that's why right. you get a flu shot every year it, yes yeah <laughs> but that connection right like right, right and that you know and i i try to explain it about like you know evolution about how you know having this this sense of how human evolution is takes a long time because it takes a long time for generations and we speed that up by like a million fold when you put a virus through whatever you know 300 million people every month, right? Like, like it's, it's, you just speed up this right. process and they're, you know, biology is imperfect and there, there are deletions and mutations that happen for lots of different reasons. And, and just being able to like, for someone who, who doesn't live in our world for her to be like, wow, okay, I get that. Right. Like now I see why this is, um, it's important that we're, that we're focused on this, but it's, yeah, it's like you said, you've you've certainly heard about it before just not in this context and it didn't matter as much because it wasn't in the right. midst of a global pandemic right right yeah so it's been um yeah it's been it's been something um so i i don't know you know i i like to come into it to to our show or as i mentioned on our other podcast my show that you join me on <laughs> um with with some ideas and i put something into the, the that's real food safety related, not real, like not that we haven't been talking about food safety things, but something I wanted to ask you about today. Um, sure. So go take a look at um, the the Dropbox uh, thing that was put in today about um, eight foods you shouldn't reheat because they could poison you. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, no, this is a fun one, but I'm going to give you a little history on how I got this. So okay. it's an old article. It's from 2016. Okay. And it's from um, myrecipes.com, mm -hmm. which is part of the all recipes family, I think. I don't know the differences. Okay. I'm, I'm, I don't understand the, the the marketing, but but all recipes is like, if they, they've got probably the top search engine optimization okay. um, world of like what, if you want, if you're looking for a recipe, it's what comes up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's a big, like it's high readership. Got it. So, so anyway, I got a, a message from, from a colleague who, um, who, who said, can, you know, can you wait? It's, it's a, she's, she's a colleague who is a, um, is in the world of nutrition at a different institution, knows, knows me through a couple of others. And she said, is any of this true? Like this all seems can super I, can meta. I, can I predict the answer? Um, yes. Go, you, you in the back. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I've not read the article. I predict that none of it is true. Well, it, this is one that, that it, yes. <laughs> um, I will give you that. The simple answer is, yeah, none of it's true, but there's something like, this is the problem. Right. Uh -huh. Is that some stuff in it's con it's content. It's, 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 it's truthy as Stephen Colbert would say. Yes. It's got some, it's got some truthiness about it. There's some truthiness. So, so here's, here, here's the thing. So let's, let's go through this, through this article, eight foods you shouldn't reheat because they could poison you. It's by two authors, Don, uh, Michelle Derisaw and Michelle Derisaw. I think uh -huh. it might be just one person. I don't know. <laughs> It's, That's a, imagine the odds would be I, what are the odds i don't know um so so here we go you've never met a problem the microwave couldn't solve right this is from the article wrong so wrong <laughs> before you heat up those leftover potatoes you might want to read this first I live alone. And so both Michelle Derrissaw, see, I, I read this as yeah, that's Darisol, a little weird, right? I they, guess, I guess, yeah, they could, they yeah, both live alone. They both live alone. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah. All right. So blah, 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 microwave, you, things you didn't know, turns out, um, or so you thought there's a lot of those types of words. Let's start Don with the first one on the list, which I'm sure you Finish. could have predicted spinach. So yeah. sauteed too much spinach for a quick nutritious side dish at dinner, question mark. If you can't eat it all right after it's cooked, it's best just to toss it or eat the leftovers cold. Huh. Why? Why, okay. Don? That's it. Um, Without reading the article, I, can you guess I, at this? I, I, yeah, well, I, I, I've, I've scrolled down far oh. enough to read that spinach contains a high. Uh, and yes. then I can't, I don't, I've not, I don't Good. read anything after that. So maybe, maybe it's some sort of toxicological issue. Um, like you'll, you'll give yourself too much iron, you know, no. you get big muscles like Popeye. I don't know. You're on, you're on the right, on the right track here. It is okay. that, that spinach is not, not higher in iron, but is high in nitrates. Oh, okay. And so nitrates provide vital nutrients to our body to function. But when we eat certain vegetables raw, something magical happens in the body that turn those good for you nit nitrates into nitrites. Nitrates don't become a problem until the heating process activates them, prompting them to release poisonous carcinogenic effects when the body processes them. Oh, okay. every time you reheat spinach or other veggies that are rich in nitrates, they become increasingly toxic. And so here's the truthiness part of this. 
So I did do some, I did do some digging. And again, okay. in our other episode, in the, in our other podcast, um, risky or not, which, um, uh, a couple of guys on my hockey team like to refer to it is, is it safe or not? <laughs> which, which is similar to our, our, uh, our, our podcast, but not exactly the same podcast. Um, we, we, we do not only do we do our best not to dither, but we also are not toxicologists, but I found some old stuff on this that, that again, this is, I would say that this is something that is, um, common in truthiness, uh, type articles, um, which, which is, well, Back in 1981, there was a New York Times article about nitrates and nitrites and by Marion Burroughs. Oh, okay. Yep. And so here it is. So, so basically, yes, the more you heat, and there's, there's some, also some articles that I found in the, in the literature, the more you heat nitrates, the more you can create nitrites, which if consumed a lot of like, 50,000 pounds of spinach become toxic, but that's the truthiest truthiness part of this, right? Do, dose makes the poison and it, it's really complicated. There's actually a really nice quote in this 1981 um, article that says uh, it's by uh, um, uh, William uh, Leginsky, director of the National Cancer Institute's chemical carcinogenesis program in Frederick, Maryland, who says you can't add up total nitrite exposure because the amount of nitro um, uh, nitrosamines Nitrosamines, formed depends on nitrite concentration, not total intake. And so anyway, like none of this is discussed in the article, right? Right. Like that that I sent. We, We basically, the article says, don't eat reheated spinach moved on to the next food right maybe maybe stir them into a pasta salad with some nice cured meats right right oh man so so anyway that's the that that was the first one but i think like and again i'm i i was asked to weigh in on this to figure out if why you know first of all is this is this true and and basically it's not quite and so that's that's what i said but i had to guess at it a little bit so let's move on from spinach dawn next one on the on the list this one i could have predicted it's potatoes oh yes why botulism oh botulism okay interesting i I thought maybe they go with solanine no but it's botulism here's here's the deal on the those spuds so i'm going to read this word for word and then we will we we will deconstruct this like the cheesecake when cooked potatoes are left out at room temperature or warmed up for a second time they can take a toxic turn for the worst why half of that sentence is true man it's true it's true this is amazing right why question mark warm temperatures promote the growth of the rare bacteria botulism that is commonly found in potatoes that's also not right what a great sentence right Oh, warm temperatures promote the growth. It's rare, but it's commonly found in potatoes. Yeah. And it and it's, it's called botulism. It's called okay. botulism. Whoa. If you, yep. <laughs> Whoa, that's right. <laughs> if you can't bear throwing leftovers away, the best solution is to refrigerate uneaten, uneaten cooked potatoes immediately. As in, don't pull them <laughs> well, 
from the oven and let them stand for an hour or so until they reach room temperature and then back them away. Tom, what's missing here? What about eating cooked potatoes? That's telling me what to do with the uneaten ones. I want to know what to do with the the eaten cooked ones. I don't know. So, but the thing is they don't mention, like, this is again, the, the truthiness missing the point someone. And and in fact, the response that I gave the overall response, and I'm going to read this from the, from the email I sent overall, this article demonstrates someone really doesn't understand food safety risks, but is pretty good at Googling things and miss the context Yeah, yeah. because potatoes. And we've talked about this on our, on this podcast, um, and in, in risky or not, Potatoes and botulism really only become a concern if it's foil wrapped baked potatoes, right? No, it doesn't say that anywhere here. Right. It's just well, cooked potatoes. Foil wrapped baked potatoes that are held at room temperature right. for an extended period of time, as in overnight. Hours. Right? Hours. Hours. Yeah. Yeah. But here I read this and I think, well, what if I made huh. mashed potatoes? Well, if I read this, 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 yeah, and and again, the the author of the article is not here to defend themselves, but neither neither, shall neither author. <laughs> um, but here we like here we go, right? You know, right. what if I look at this and say, well, what if I made mashed potatoes? Can I read like the the ludic- like, Oh, I'm so frustrated with this. The ludicrous aspect of this article basically says never eat leftover mashed potatoes from Thanksgiving because they're cooked potatoes and you're warming them up for a second time. It's just, it's, it's asinine. So anyway, um, if you find yourself with quite a few leftovers, store the potatoes in multiple plastic containers and refrigerate promptly. So they cool down faster, but it has nothing to do with the, the, again, the article titled on, which I think I'm going to mention five or six times here, eight foods you shouldn't reheat because they could poison you. Uh, Woof. Um, so next, next one on the list, Don, can you predict this one without looking? Oh, well, let me, let me scroll down to see what the, oh, you want me to predict the food yeah, yeah. or what the risk is? No, I want you to predict food. the food because, because oh. you, and then I'm going to ask you to predict, I will tell you the food you guess okay. we're playing, we're playing 20 guesses of foods. You shouldn't, um, you shouldn't reheat or eight guesses. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I can't guess the food. I don't know. All right. I don't have a clue. So the next one on the list, Don is celery and carrots. And, oh, and here's the deal and carrots together or <laughs> yes, yes. But Don, okay. you're not going to guess the why. Well, here. carrots, wait, celery. <laughs> I, I know that celery, we sometimes use celery. We talked about this on the other yeah. show. We, celery has uh, uh, nitrates in it. Right. And so is it right. the same as the other one? With it is we're the, worried about. Okay. It's cool. the same rules for spinach. Likewise, apply to celery. celery and carrots. Okay, all right. Well, that's. Oh, but wait. Now, wait a minute. Celery, yes. Do carrots have nitrates? It's, I don't know. It's safer to take celery and or carrots and or carrots out of a dish before reheating it. Then, Dom, with no further explanation. We oh wait, that's it. One. That's the that's the that's paragraph. <laughs> right. So, uh, yep. So it's just safer to take it out. All right. So here's oh, another and. and- uh, and then he eat that part raw, I guess. I guess. Or un- unreheated, I guess. Unreheated. Right? Okay. All right. So so here we go to the next okay. one, which right. is another true. Did you do piece. any did you do any investigation as to whether carrots I, had nitrates? I did. So they do. Um okay. So the they're actually um CDC um 
has a, I think it's CDC, has a, um, I'll find this, uh, in nitrates in food list. Okay. And um, yeah, so let's link to this. And, and, and this is, this is the thing, right? So, um, you know, where are nitrates and nitrites found? This is a, an article that goes back to 2013. CDC does a, a pretty good job. They link um, uh, uh, nitrate content of selected vegetables, table one. And so celery, lettuce, beetroot, and spinach are at the top of very high. Okay. All right. Carrot is on the list as low, but it's huh. on the list. It's on the list. Okay. Uh, parsley leak. And uh, but but nowhere in here does CDC say you shouldn't do any of these things. Right. That that well, are talking. It's mostly mostly the risk is is young infants, right? Right. Yeah. Now fatalities have been reported in adults exposed to nitrates and burn therapy. However, okay. infants and children are especially susceptible um, from exposure from topical silver nitrate and burn therapy. Medic in medications, you know, there, there has been some overexposure reported via ingestion of foods containing high levels of nitrates and nitrates, um, baby foods, sausage and meats. Anyway, there's, there is some stuff here um but but it's it, it, again it misses the it, it misses the point it's it's about context here that i think that's the that you know th that's what's missing and, so and you know at the bottom of this article there's a nice quiz maybe michelle maybe michelle should take this quiz maybe <laughs> so here we go the, it gets better don like we're not done here so now let's count, let's count the numbers. Yeah, let of, me, let me, let me also point out like that she could have used celery, lettuce, red beetroot and spinach. That would have been four right there. Correct. Uh, you know, and then oh, forget the carrots. Don, Don, just wait. Beets are They're going to make an appearance. So I'm just going to get, cool. I'm going to yeah, I'm going to let you know. And, and Don, why? For the same reasons, again, as celery and carrots and spinach. So, so four of them get that, 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 that it's all like listed here. Those are the reasons. So let's get to the next one on the list, which is yeah. rice. So I'm going to read this again verbatim because I think it's fantastic. Rice, same deal as the potatoes here. Don't leave rice out at room temperature after it's cooked. And again, I, Dawn, I want to remind you, the article headline is eight foods you shouldn't reheat because they could poison you. The reason not to reheat rice is to, because don't leave it out at room temperature. <laughs> right. If stored incorrectly. Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, eight foods that you shouldn't leave out at room temperature would include most foods, right? Uh, I right. mean, you know, if you really want to get down to it anyway. Yeah. Yes. So, and, and I'm going to read an, another fantastically um, incorrect microbiology mm -hmm. sentence. If stored incorrectly, cooked rice can develop bacterial spores that may produce poisons that cause intense physical illness. Well, they don't develop the spores, Ben. As nope. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy named Louis Pasteur. Um, he, he disproved spontaneous generation. And so basically what he proved was that you don't just get organisms forming in foods. They have to come from somewhere, from the air, 
Um, uh, spores can, in the food can lead to vegetative cells when they germinate, right? So right. I, if I wanted to fix this sentence, I would say cooked rice can stimulate bacterial spores to germinate that turn into cells that pr may produce poisons that, yeah, right. cause illness. Yep. Which is, there's a truthiness to this one, oh. right? Like there, we've certainly talked about rice and um, improper storage um, and, and that this is, this is where I think they're getting at here, right? So if you hold it out, you know, we've, we, we know about bacillus serious intoxication um, issues from rice historically mm -hmm. um, in refried rice and that the second cook, the reheating is not doing anything because of a heat stable toxin. I get that, but right. that's not what we're talking about here at all. Right. Like what, what it should. And I think you, maybe you alluded to this here, eight foods that you should worry about not storing at improper temperatures because you can't reheat them to make them safe, not eight foods. You shouldn't reheat because they could poison you, but that's not as good a headline. Then. No, it's not. It's not. Um, okay. So rice does misses the, the point here's oh, also, well, and also, um, spores don't multiply faster at room temperature. Uh, spores turn into cells and the cells multiply faster at room temperature. But now I'm just, just picking nits. Right, right. Make sure those fluffy grains are stored in the fridge in an airtight container right after cooking. Why airtight, Ben? I don't know. <laughs> Didn't, don't you, have we not talked about the science of covered versus uncovered? Like you've you you you've got some data that that shows maybe uncovered is a little bit better yeah, if loose, we're looking loose, the coolest loose, food loose, loosely covered loosely yes. covered loosely covered okay here we go here's maybe my favorite one don mushrooms and it's because we leave so how many have we done now on of the eight spinach one potatoes two celery and carrots three and four rice five but michelle and michelle leave <laughs> mushrooms to number five, but it's the most important one. According to them, they're the most light apt to make you ill off of the items here. And why, Don? Okay. It's because largely because how they are vulnerable to microorganisms. Now, okay. this is notable because it provides us with a link and it is um, the... Um, not the first link, but the third link, and it is to really a good document document from Penn State Extension yeah. about growing mushrooms. Yep, microbial yep. activity in substrate. So the high the article headline kind of implies that there is microbial activity in the substrate. Don, in this. In this podcast. Now, in this article, <laughs> if you were to do a page, full page search for, let's say the word pathogen, would you hazard a guess on whether there would be any pathogens mentioned in the growing mushrooms microbial activity in substrate article? Well, I didn't search for pathogens, but I'm lazy. So I just searched for path and I did find path. It's, it's in the actual, the last word of the article, uh, which, which says that the article was written by Dave M. Byer, the Department of Plant Pathology. So, yep, 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 yep. Well, and Oof. 
Yeah. So, so here's the thing. Um, <laughs> there are no pathogens. So of course, you know, we're, you know, for the listeners. Well, no, no, wait, show, let's just, let's be clear. Now Michelle is just making stuff up. Well, I mean, right? again, I, I will, the, the Michelle's are, are doing what I said in my, in my last sentence. This is someone who doesn't understand food safety risk, but is pretty good at Googling things and missing context. Right. Pretty, so I, define i'm not sure i'm not sure pretty good they're 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 able to google things i don't think they're pretty good at googling things. okay all right fair enough fair enough but I mean, maybe they they're found, pretty good at googling things and then misunderstanding them but yes, yes they found an article about mushrooms that mentioned bacteria check so <laughs> okay yes that was it and don't eat them again because they, you bacteria. Know, yep. Bacteria. When eating cooked mushrooms, it's best to eat them immediately after they're prepared. And if you plan on eating them again the next day, make sure you eat them cold from the refrigerator because reheating mushrooms can be bad news for your belly. Don, why? I couldn't find any data on I, that one. I don't I, Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is this is a really bad article. Ben. Yeah. Okay. So it's, that's it, it's not getting any better. No. Beets. Again, I've already mentioned beets. Let's put this yep. in number six. Why beets? Yep. Same as the others. Why couldn't we yep. put them all together? <laughs> that's how I would have done it if I was writing this bad article. Yeah, we know. We, and now again, I'll read this one. We all know how good beets are, both in their flavor and nutritional benefits. But like beets, or but beets, like celery, spinach, and carrots are rich in nitrates. Didn't see that coming. Your safest bet for beets is to only cook what you think you'll actually eat in one sitting or plan to eat them cold, like on salads and such. All right, now we get to fun ones. That it hasn't been fun enough yet. Next two on the list, eggs and chicken. <laughs> Again, uh, didn't see that coming. Eggs. <sighs> this one is great. <laughs> A fantastic protein source for sure. Cooking eggs can be a source of serious sickness when left at or re-exposed to higher temperatures. Okay. Whether boiled or scrambled, reheating eggs can be destructive to your digestive system. And then the link to re reheating eggs, Dawn, <laughs> takes us. I, I already clicked FDA. Which is a, a really great um, article. And if you... If you do the search on reheat, yep. reheat, you find the sentence, uh, uh, cooked eggs and egg dishes may be refrigerated for serving later, but should be thoroughly reheated to 165 degrees Fahrenheit before serving, which kind of means that, it, I mean, M Michelle <laughs> found the article to link to, but didn't actually read it apparently, which <laughs> seems to be kind of in her core competency. Do you, so the more I read this, do you think that this is an AI generated article? Oh, maybe so. Maybe, maybe so. I don't know. Like maybe that, that, you know, maybe that's, that's not, not fair to Michelle, to the, to the two Michelles, which I, I know is our, are going to be our show title already. Um, so don't even bother writing any more down. Um, so, so here, but so anyway, there, there's that, right? Like it just doesn't, and then it's destructive to your digestive system. I don't know what that means. And not to mention reheated rubbery eggs are kind of gross anyway. Just don't. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Well, don't I, why would you reheat eggs? That is gross. I, now I do reheat eggs, Don, and maybe this is again, context. I like a reheated quiche. 
That's oh, a well, dish. Yeah, that's diff that's different. But yes, wow. I, we we will reheat quiche all the time. Yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. a cooked egg. Right. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. But you're not thinking right. of it in that sense, right? Because no, I'm, I'm thinking about I, like scrambled eggs or, yeah, yeah, or a hard agreed. boiled egg. You know? Yeah. Um, okay. And then we move to chicken. Another favorite protein source and dinner staple. Chicken is kind of tricky when it comes to leftovers. The protein in chicken starts to deteriorate and causes digestive problems. But it goes from cold to hot the second time around. What? There's no reference. What does this even mean? Who made this up? Um, a general rule of thumb is if you want to enjoy leftover chicken is warm is to reheat it in the microwave, a skillet or the oven one time after the original preparation. You, you also need to make sure it's hot as in completely hot through and through to the center of the piece of chicken and eaten right away. No reference, nothing. Now wait, it doesn't wait, even so, say so why. Let me, let me, so the protein starts to deteriorate and causes digestive problems when it goes from cold to hot the second time around. Yes. A general rule of thumb is to reheat it once. Well, that's the second well, time that's, around. That's the second time around. So either it's safe or it's not. Well, and it's just, and it's, yeah. it causes digestive problems, Don. Does that mean it's safe? or not it's not like anyway maybe maybe michelle just has a very sensitive stomach could be all the two michelles now all of this is oh. to say don don't live in fear of leftovers but do be careful and mindful about how you store them and enjoy them for a second time around but the headline don says don't do this why you should never oh no eight foods you shouldn't reheat because they could poison you but but then the end is it's it's okay to do it, but great. Anyway, um, I don't plan on giving up leaning on them anytime soon, meeting leftovers. The important takeaway here is that it never hurts to err towards side of caution when it comes to what we're putting in our bodies. And that includes being aware that some foods have a greater, greater potential for toxicity when reheated than others. Does that mean that if you eat a reheated soup that contains celery and carrots, or make a next day hash using last night's roasted potatoes that you're going to guarantee yourself or define yourself with your head in the toilet or worse. Obviously not. I'm not sure you've done so plenty of times, or I'm sure you've done so plenty of times without harmful side effects, but you may have experienced some digestive discomfort, discomfort that you don't even remember now. Something mild that could have been worse under slightly different circumstances. Point being, being cognizant of what you're cooking and what parts of your dinner you're packing for an office lunch the next day. So anyway, I actually did something different in, um, in, in sort of with this. And I sent it back to my friend. I'm, I sort of, you know, we, we just did a deep dive. I didn't do as deep of a dive, but I did this sort of point by point and said, yeah, there's a lot of problems with this. Um, and, um, the, my, my colleague said, are you planning on letting my recipes, all recipes know? And normally Don, I'd just say no, cause it's a waste of time, but I actually did send it to them. I didn't hear, I have not heard anything yet, but I will keep you in the loop. If my, sorry, if my recipes or all recipes actually responds. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, frustrating, right? Like, and, but great content for food safety talk. Yes. Ah, oh, the two Michelles. You know what? I even have the right show art for this. 
that Michelle Dowling's Christmas card. It is no. Oh my gosh, no! But now you have the right show art. No, I was gonna use the the Olsen twins, uh, Mary Cat, Mary Kate, and Ashley Olsen, who both played the role of Michelle on Full House. Uh, back oh, well, in the there you 80s. go. That's, Those are the that's, two Michelles. That's 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 perfect. There you go. So, um, so there there we go. Um, so um yeah so so there's there you know we've got we've got that that going on but again thanks uh thanks for well from 2016 but it's still out there right here's the thing yeah. and this is this is where my my colleague is correct people um who are looking for recipes that this is linked to are still seeing it right like so what um we we, we you know you and i can can sort of dissect it and pontificate it about it here but but i did i you know, I did email them because it should be, they should take this down. It's stupid. It's wrong. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so what, what else, what else is, uh, what else is going on with you? We got a E. coli, uh, um, and leafy green outbreak. Another one. Are you, uh, talk about are you that familiar? one? Yeah. Are you familiar with that? I, I am, I am. Uh, there was, uh, there was an Atlantic article that I put in here. In oh yeah. Of raw batter. Um, and then also we got some really nice uh, feedback um, from a friend of the show, Bruce, who is writing to us about soybean fermentation. Um, and so um, I, we can talk about that. Those are some top of mind stuff that I see in the, in the Dropbox. Yeah. Let's talk about leafy greens and oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, let me find the, uh, oh, I, I really, I really do want to talk about, uh, wedding buffet safety, oh. um, and, and leftovers. Okay. I think that that's really worth a, a good deep dive as well. Okay. Um, let me, here we go. Oh, let's drop this into, uh, into notes, uh, here for, for you. So we've got, um, an 0157 H7 outbreak linked to packaged salads, Simple Truth Organic Power Greens and Nature's Basket Organic Power Greens. Um, it's a, um, it was sold at grocery stores, including Fred Meyer, QFC, Giant Eagle, um, investigation details. Uh, this, this is, this came out over the holidays, 13 people ill, um, ages range from four to 79, 92% um, are female. Um, the, th this is, a um, the map on this uh, shows that it's all all illnesses are currently on the West Coast and in Washington State um, predominantly um, zero deaths, four hospitalizations, but there's no recall on this um, as as of you know sort of as of yet, and so. Um, That's weird since it's named some products, right? Or, or, or is it that the best buy dates are, are well past December 20th? Well, so, um, oh, so the top, no, yeah. it says, it says, uh, if you, if they're in your fridge, throw them away. Right. But if you look at the CDC's yeah. little thing, yeah. right. Uh, so, and, and I think that that's correct. Like, I don't see anything from, from FDA on this, um, as of yet, let's look to make sure. See um, recalls, recalls and market withdrawals. Um, nope, nothing. Oh wait, is this the same one? No, this is listeria. There's been some leafy greens recalls 
um, fresh salad products from Listeria, but nothing related to these, which, so that like, that was the part that highlighted to me that I thought that was a little bit odd. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so the, um, the timeline for this, it goes back to November, uh, November 28th, uh, through, uh, illnesses that were reported on December 9th. And again, I'll, I'll put a plug into my, um, into my, um, not a plug, but I'll re revisit something. I can tell you on numerous occasions that I have found leafy greens in my refrigerator older than three weeks old, right. That, that still are not slimy. Okay. <laughs> like that have a pretty high quality. And I think we talked about this. We might've talked about yeah. this on risky or not. Like I, my fridge is set at 36 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. 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 Like I keep it real cold right. and that's, probably why I don't see the, you know, that, that sort of spoilage, even after three right. weeks after we've purchased it. Yeah. Well, and interestingly enough also it's, but you don't have it set. So you must have pretty good, pretty fine control. Cause you don't have, you don't, it, it doesn't like what one problem that some people will have, if they set their temperature, of their fridge really low is they'll get freezing. Right. right. And, and, and you don't have that either. So it seems like you've got a pretty nice tight window of control there. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, thanks to the uh, Best Buy scratch and dent um, uh, place where we bought uh, where we bought the fridge a few years ago. Yeah. yeah, but it's yeah, it's it's a good like we don't yeah. So I don't have freezing of the milk. I don't have freezing of uh, of leafy greens. There's no ice particles, but it does keep things really really cold. Um, so so anyway, but I thought that was weird that like what I don't and again for our colleagues, I know every once in a while we get a nice message, um, especially from, uh, some retired, uh, um, FDA folks who listen to the show. So if anybody can highlight why they think here we are, um, a week and a half after the outbreak was discovered and there are specific products, why there's not a recall that would be, let's, you know, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm doing some searching on the names of the products and I'm really, all I'm finding for simple truth organic power greens is I'm just finding all the stores that have them. Yeah. You know, Kroger, Mariano's, Fred Meyer, Ralph's, Harris Teeter, um, you know, uh, King Super. Right. So, um, and then if I looking for the other name, the other name, which was uh, nature's basket, I just find Marler's article, which basically reiterates the CDC is, is, is advising not to eat blah, blah, blah. Right. So interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, I know. Yeah. I wonder how often is it that the CDC is making a recommendation before FDA is weighed in and before there's a, yeah, I'm sure there's a backstory on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure. This was a new one to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, but again, and you know, Mar- Marler's weighed in on this. He is, he, there, there's not a whole lot of information in the investigation details. Um here, uh, but but he is he's inferring that this might be a Yuma linked outbreak, and again, we don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, CDC is advising don't eat these, but there's not been a recall. Weird. Um, and so, and so, yeah, and so CD, how many how many cases? Thirteen. Thirteen, and so obviously CDC must feel very strongly that these are the implicated products yeah weird yeah. and yeah weird. so 
There's yeah. such a small number of illnesses there. That's yeah. There's there's something there's something going on here that we are not privy to. I think you know, right? There's something. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a, there's a, definitely a backstory here. Yeah. So of the twelve people interviewed, all reported eating packaged salads. Of ten okay. people who provided brand information, six ate or bought Simple Truth Organic Power Greens, and one ate Nature's Basket Organic Power Greens. Both have the okay. same mix of leafy greens um, in them, and so, uh, okay, oh, so maybe several common. sick people reported using these salads and smoothies. Oh, missed that the first time I read it. So, Don, can I tell you, like, just as a, um, a uh, this is a specific product that I have purchased at Harris Teeter, not, not, you know, in the time frame that this was um, linked to. I usually like when, you know, I've, I mentioned that I, I shop at like a variety of different grocery stores, not to piss off any of our favorite um, grocery store chain friends, but I'll, I'll, I, in any given week, I'll purchase food at, Harris Teeter, Food Lion, um, uh, Publix, Wegmans, Trader Joe's, all like local places that, and Lowe's Foods, um, places that, that are all over the place here in, in Raleigh. And this is, this is one of the brands that I've certainly purchased within the last year and added into a smoothie. No question about it. Not right. that the factor that it was a smoothie would make it, because if I didn't eat it in a smoothie, I would have eaten it just as a salad because I'm not right. eating any of this um at all but yeah i thought that was that was an interesting little little tidbit there um so yeah so we've got that let's talk let's go to the um uh let's talk about the the uh leftovers at a at a wedding sure so this is a question that comes to us from um uh risky or not basically and it's from gabby and I, it's a great question so uh she says i have a uh, I think it's supposed to be startling confession to make. Uh, I've only listened to one episode of Food Safety Talk. That's that's okay. It's it's allowed, Gabby. Um, but she she goes on to say, I am an avid fan of Risky or Not, and just finished catching up on all of the episodes. Wow, congratulations, Gabby. Um, I'm writing in here because I could not come up with a way to phrase my and so this came through Food Safety Talk, right? So she she couldn't figure out a way to, to phrase it so that it would work for risky or not. And so the crux of her issue isn't so much what is risky, but what is allowed. And from what I've learned from listening to you, uh, that's not always the same. So here's my problem. She says, I'm I'm getting married in June 2022. Congratulations, Gabby. Um, we abhor the thought of food waste coming out of our wedding. We had grand ideas about how we could circumvent this problem, for example, by encouraging our similarly waste-averse guests to bring Tupperware and to serve themselves some leftovers out of the remainder of the buffet. The, the wedding planner we're working with says, quote, no way, no how, uh, end quote, thanks to food code and liability for the caterer venue. Based on her understanding, that's the caterer, uh, understanding of food code, any food that goes out in a buffet has to be tossed out. We've investigated plate meal versus buffet in terms of food waste, but who doesn't love a buffet? I, I agree. 
Um, so, uh, so Gabby goes on, obviously we're limited by what any caterer would be willing to do regardless of your answer, but any advice or resources that you can give me on the way to get creative and just let our guests enjoy some delicious wedding leftovers. You've talked about being sympathetic to food safety versus food waste plight, so I'm crossing my fingers. Alternatively, if you tell me my pessimistic planner is correct and there's no hope under current regulations, I can heave a sigh and accept defeat. If it influences the answer, our wedding reception is outdoors in the evening in late June in New Hampshire near the North Conway area. So, oh, yeah. I mean, like uh, North Conway is probably not relevant, but but all of the rest is relevant. Oh, and the other, I think, I think this may also be semi-relevant. It will all be vegetarian fare, but not vegan. We can't deny people their cheese. Okay, so. So, and again, so I, let me, let me, so as you're thinking about this, yeah. I, I did a little bit of digging um, and I, and I, I figured out we could probably do a risky or not question saying, is it risky or not to allow wedding guests to bring Tupperware and serve themselves some leftovers out of the remainder of the buffet? And I think you and I would probably both with some dithering and equivocating and asterisking and caveating would say it's not risky, right? Because I mean, it kind of depends on your guests doing the right thing and right. It depends upon what the foods are and depends upon how quickly those guests get that food to a refrigerator, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, yep. So um, I, I look, I've looked at the New Hampshire food code. And so, so let's set aside the risky or not question, right? Because I think it really depends, you know, and, and really Gabby doesn't care if we say it's not risky, if it, the regulators are still not going to allow her to do it, right? Exactly. So, all right. So, um, uh, so I, I, I've checked into the New Hampshire food code and the New Hampshire food code is basically that they're tied to the FDA model code 2017. So, so basically they're using the current FDA model code. Um, so I guess the question, so my advice, one, one bit of advice I gave to Gabby was to go to the caterer and say, show me, or the wedding planner and says, show me where this is not allowed in the food code, right? Like here's the, here's the food code. Show me where it says you can't do this. Okay. Um, and then you can, she could also ask the same question of the health department, like literally show me which provision of the code, right? Because I think often people will say, well, the code won't let you do that. Right. But if you, if you say, well, where, where in the code are you seeing that? Right. Uh, I gave her a link to the 2017 code. Uh, I, there's a couple of places where I found where it might be relevant to the code. Okay. One, the most relevant one is three dash 306.14, returned food and reservice of food, which, which in part says after being served or sold and in the possession of a customer, of a consumer, food that is unused or returned by the consumer may not be offered as food for human consumption. Now, the question there, is, and that's the end of the quote from the regs, right? So if, if you define, if you define putting the food in the buffet, as meaning it is quote in the possession of the consumer, then that would logically follow. So to me, like that's probably yeah. the the line or the angle. Okay, agreed. But, but but see, here's the thing, Ben. If that's the case, then taken to its logical logical extreme, once the first person serves himself from the buffet, now nobody else can eat from the buffet. Right, right. I know. Like right? I, I see, I see exactly what you're saying. So, yeah. yeah. And so, and then again, if the buffet is, is not a hot or cold buffet, then it's just food left out. Then it's time as a public health control, but that's, that doesn't seem like what it's going to be either. I think it's, 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 
Well, again, unless unless it is right. So if it's hot foods that are being held hot, they should be fine. Cold foods being held cold, it's fine. Room temperature foods with time as a public health control. Okay, well, if that's the case, then you probably need some somebody monitoring that and then you have to eat it up within the time. And I would say the solution there is maybe just to, you know, don't put the food out until you're ready for people to eat it or take it right. You reserve it in the back of the house and keep it cold. Um, yeah, so Anyway, I think as I wrote to Gabby, you're more knowledgeable on the food code than I am. So yeah, so but I, so I welcome your feedback. So I'll, I'll I'll stop talking now and let you talk. No, and you're you're exactly right. I I would see um, the uh, the provision or the three three oh six fourteen as exactly what um, what's being followed here. There is a um, there, there is actually a fo- something else in the food code on consumer self-service operations. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so raw unpackaged animal foods may not be offered for consumer self-service. Um, and they give some like um, per- exceptions to that, except for buffets and salad bars, which are monitored by food employees trained in safe operating procedures, which is right before this part of the the food code and and i i saw that part which but this is not raw animal food Mm -hmm. and right and why would you be offering raw animal food on a buffet anyway right well so i mean i think it happens unless it's sushi yeah yeah right so it it, it's it's there but basically what it says this is the part of the um the food code that allows for a buffet in the first place basically Okay, so it doesn't apply if it's it, it, you know it, it, raw, consumer self service is allowed to to happen, um, you know, w- with a whole bunch of you know small small caveats about utensils, dispensing methods, protecting food contamination, and um, it's got to be monitored by someone. But I think that you're exactly right in the interpretation. Well, I'll reach out to Nora Nerd on this, who is my always go to person to help us with this. But I think that once food is on a buffet line it is now being considered to be served and okay. has the potential to be in possession of and not just and i guess this is where things get a little messy not a consumer but consumers right so so for instance if you take your reading of this to the next level you couldn't also share a dish at an individual um, table that was then served to you because it was in possession of me, right? So, right. so it would be against the food code for me to allow Danny to eat something off of my my plate. So, I think the interpretation is is does not go as far as what what you kind of highlighted. I think because the responsibility in the consumer self service operations, the the part above three dash three hundred six thirteen C, that it needs to be monitored and trained. So meaning that, okay, so it's, it's the, it's the, it's the person that is standing there watching it. That's keeping it safe. Correct. So that's what allows that, that person better keep a very close eye on all of those bacteria and better not turn their back or walk to the bathroom or anything, because as soon as that happens, all of that food is instantly contaminated. Right, right, right. And it's so interesting. It doesn't actually say that you have to keep a close eye on it, right? It says it has to be monitored. So that could just be temperature monitoring. 
um, as well. Okay. All right. Yeah. But you're right. Like, so, but I think that that's what, first of all, allows for buffets and leads us to that return food and resurface of food where this would be considered. So, so, but, but what we're talking about here is not, I, I actually don't think that there is anywhere in the food code that doesn't allow for what Gabby is looking to do, which is I'm going to serve myself out of a, of a leftover and then I'm going to take it home, right? I'm not going to resell this because that's what 3-30614 is all about. It's about okay. reservice or returning it to, so, so I just like, there's no difference here in my mind than um, taking a um, takeout container home. Right. Which is certainly allowed under the food code. Right. Right. So, so the, 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 the question here really comes down to, um, let me, let me go, uh, with, with this line in her, um, in her question, we had grand ideas about how we would circumvent this problem. Uh, the problem of waste, for example, by encouraging our similarly waste averse guests to bring Tupperware and serve themselves from leftover out of the remainder of the buffet, right? So the question really isn't because, so what's the difference between taking leftovers that are in a establishment provided container versus a, a like a Tupperware container that was brought from home? Right, like that's the well, or or I will I'll say, what's the difference in risk from taking the food from the buffet and putting it on your plate and versus putting it into another container? Other than yes, you are as a person. From my point of view, if I'm the one doing that, that's on me. Same as it would be if I put it in. If I took, to, I mean, if I took uh, uh, leftovers with me, right? Yeah. Like if 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 uh, let's say let's say hypothetically. Um, I go to a restaurant and I get served a rice dish and I take that rice dish and I eat half of it and I save half of it and I bring it home and I leave it on the counter for 24 hours and I grow bacillus cereus and it makes emetic toxin and I eat it. Is that the restaurant's fault? I don't think so. I, I don't think you would, you could win a case, a legal case, if that's what you did. Right. Right. So to me, that's on me, the, 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 the person bringing the takeout. Right, right, right. Yeah. I, like, ab absolutely. And then, so I want to point to another area of the food code here that we actually discuss. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, like, uh, go back in time to the conference for food protection. I may be able to find the issue as we do this, but there is a pro provision. I'm not even sure if that's the, um, the, uh, the right term in the food code, but, um, where is this beverages you know you can use reusable you can serve food in reusable beverage containers do you remember that issue that we talked about no no so there was let me see if i can find this Bas basically this is the i'm going to a cafe and i want to bring my own cup Oh, right, right. Oh, yeah. And this is actually, this is going to be really, is it, there's actually a CFP committee it's, that's been yes. formed to look at this in more detail. Yeah. Exactly. That was where, so, so the, the, for, for whatever reason, there was a refilling food specific. Let me see if I can find this. 
here we uh it, yeah, yeah yeah here we go go to three four four dash oh four seventeen refilling refer returnables okay yep a take-home food container returned to a food establishment may be refilled at a food establishment with food if the food container is designed and constructed for reuse in accordance with the requirements specified under Part 4-1 and 4-2, which basically means it's a cleanable and sanitizable um, uh, container. One that was initially provided by the food establishment to the consumer, either empty or filled with the food that the food establishment by the food establishment for the purpose of being returned for reuse, reuse returned to the food establishment by the consumer after use. A take-home food container returned to a food establishment may be refilled at a food establishment with beverage. And mm. that's the part that we talked about that right. so so. There are, there are ways to do this that may like it, it, it's about the, the caterer or the wedding planner providing a refill, refillable returnable in the first place. That, but I think, so here's how I would handle this. Cause I know we've talked about this here in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. It, it, I would, I'd call the health department. Yeah, that's well, that, that and that was part of my advice to Gabby. Yeah, I said, call the health department, right? Call the health department and say, this is what I'm trying to do. Tell me like, like, as you said, tell me what parts of the food code you think that this is going against. Now, what do I need to do to do this within the food code? Or could I get a variance for this? Right. Now, still at the end, like, at the end of this wedding, the, the, the caterer may not be comfortable with the additional work that needs to be done on refilling returnables or additional liability. Like you, you, like you meant you alluded to when I was um, trying to find this, the, the aspect of if someone temperature abuses this takeout container, when they go home, even if it was their container or not, or my container, that that caterer may just not be comfortable with that. And it's not a food code issue. It's just, they don't like, and, and, and they may not be, you know, th- th- this is one of, one of the things that I think I've learned from Marler, whether someone's liable or not, doesn't matter. Right. It's whether, right. whether you're worried about getting sued for being liable, uh, that that's the, you know, that's the issue. And so well, they, they and, yeah. And here, here's the thing, like the, these guests could sign a waiver saying we accept responsibility. Right. Um, but they could still sue. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and, and, and yeah, I mean, but, but they could, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, but you can always sue somebody. Right. I you mean, can the always question sue. is whether you, whether you have any standing and what, I mean, again, I, I think your, I think your advice, which was also my advice is to talk to the health department because you know, again, I'm, I'm struck by, I, th- I think Matt said this on the podcast, um, but basically he went to the health department in the county where he's based to tell them he was going to do this business. And they just laughed at him and said, you don't, you don't need our permission. Just go do it. Just go do it. Yeah. Follow the food code. So, fun. so yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and so it may be, again, if you find the right health inspector in that, in that department, or they've got a culture where they're like, yeah, sure. We'll work with you. We, here's, here are the things that we want you to do. We want, um, 
We want the customers to bring small containers that they're they're not they're they're shallow. Uh, we want them to you know have coolers with ice, or you know we we want we want to we want them to we want to give them instructions and then that maybe not maybe we're you know we want we, I don't know some some. some because then if the health department gives them instructions and then they don't follow the instructions, is the health department liable? I don't know. I mean, it's just like, here's the thing. Gabby's trying to do a good thing and people should help her. Right, right. And there, you know, the tears, you know, basically saying no way, no how um, doesn't doesn't help. There, There is probably no. a way to do this. And again, like you, I agree. The, as Gabby describes this, there, this is no riskier than someone getting a, like just to take out container at the end of service. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. Like, exactly. And, and so, so you, they should figure out a way. Yeah. To do well, this. well, like what if, what if I walk into, well, I, I don't do it these days. Cause as I've explained, we live in a Wegmans dead zone. If I drive 20 minutes to one of the three Wegmans that are all equidistant from my house right now, and I walk up to their, their buffet yeah. and I fill food from that buffet into a container. What's the difference? Yep. Yep, exactly. Right? What's the it's especially after it's been there all day. Yeah, it's, exa it's exactly the same thing. It's exactly the it's same exactly thing. Exactly the same thing. What's the difference when I eat it, right? But yeah. like if I, yeah, yeah, it's on me. I can take that food and temperature abuse it if I if I want to, right? I yep. mean, yeah. What's to stop me? I mean, it's yeah. yeah, it's it doesn't see. Here's this is yeah. It makes no sense to prohibit this because yeah. you can come up with an, an identical scenario that from an, a scenario that is identical from the perspective of the microorganism, which is what matters in this case, right? The bacteria doesn't care whether it's at a wedding or at Wegmans, right? Right. right. And so, so you know what, my if if so if Gabby's listening um, to this, my other suggestion: if you find that the caterer just won't do this. I would, I'd hack the caterer in a, in a way where I would just tell my guests, um, fill up your plate, take it back to your seat and then put it in your, put it in the Tupperware from your plate. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> don't ask. Don't, yeah, exactly. Right. Don't, don't, if, don't, if you, if we can't allow people to take their Tupperware up, well then fine. We'll just take it back from, you know, we'll, we'll transfer it from the plate. And what are you going to do? Go into my purse and, or my backpack and take my, take my Tupperware <laughs> container. Uh, yeah. So anyway, this is a good, um, the, 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 yeah, the, this is a great, great question. Also, um, Don, I've been to North Conway Have you? multiple times. Whoa. Yep. So, so North Conway, how are the, how are the health inspectors there? They, they were of, of the utmost, um, up, very upstanding. Um, so I've not been to North Conway since I was, but the last time I was there was 1999. Um, okay. I, I was in I was in college, but the, a North Conway. Um, so I think I told you I have a, a family who live on the east coast of Canada in Halifax, mm -hmm. and every summer when I was growing up from age six to age eighteen, probably um, we would take a two week trip to Halifax and drive through Canada on the way there and drive back through the US on the way back and spend a couple of days uh, cross-border shopping as Canadians do. And one of my family's um, favorite places to stop was North Conway because it is a, it's a, it's a ski resort area, but in the, in the summer, what keeps people coming in the summer from a tourism standpoint or did at least 20, almost 25 years ago was that there were a lot of outlets there. 
And so we well, used to go outlet shopping. Let, let, let me tell you that, that Conway, New Hampshire is a four season vacation wonderland. Okay. <sighs> Visitors can shop tax free at the North Conway Settlers Green Outlet Village. I, okay? I've been there. Conway, Conway Scenic Railroad, the Kang. The Can Camagas Highway and Diana's Bath Waterfalls. Yes, yes. Camagas, 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 Yeah, um, <laughs> it's it's all there. Shop, save, eat, experience. There's lots of local eats. There's there's things. Yeah. So we um, m- I, I mean, multiple years. Uh, most of my shoes growing up came from North Conway, North Carolina. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah I, I think there there was a there you know there was a nike outlet that's, or something that, that's 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 one of the titles we're not going to use most no. of my shoes came from north conway <laughs> yep so so i'm very i'm very familiar at least i was very familiar with um with, with the north north conway area of new hampshire it was also the first place that i learned um the uh the by looking at um, license plates, the state motto or credo or whatever it is of um, New Hampshire of live free or die, free which or always yep. kind of scared me a little bit um, <laughs> at from six to 19 and still maybe even a little bit now. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I, uh, I know my, I know my way around North Conway, but about a way around Conway and North Conway and have certainly been to Settlers Green. So um, and it's it's nice. I, I have really fond memories of eating at you know Applebee's or TGI Fridays or whatever other. Um, now, you know, looking back, maybe not my favorite restaurants to eat at today. But but uh, growing up, it was a it was a different experience. So anyway, good good best of luck to Gabby on uh, on on the wedding and um, and if we could be of any other service, like facilitating a conversation with the health department, I'd I'd love to be part of this. I, uh, you know, well, I want to make, I want to make Gabby's, hap, uh, um, wedding as happy as possible. Uh, so what, what else, uh, there was something else you wanted to talk about. We talked about leafy greens. Yeah. Um, feedback on, oh, fermenting, uh, the, the, the video on fermenting beans. Sorry. Yeah. So did you, you, you probably didn't have a chance to watch I, that. I watched the video. Yeah. Okay. I, didn't wa- I didn't watch it with audio, but I got the, oh, had the yeah, closed no, happening. Catch. Yeah, me, yeah. Me, me neither. It was a lot of, it was in Chinese, I think. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So, so basically we'll link to this, we'll link to this YouTube video. Um, and so Bruce writes, uh, I'm doing some catch up on some presentations done for the 2021 restaurant chefs association conference. And one of the presenters had been working on ontology, really an extension of the flavor lexicon concept, putting the lexicon in the context of culture, place, and background. At the end of the presentation, they showed this video. I encourage you to take a look about where this belongs in your various posts and pods. Um, so, and so basically it's a video about, about uh, the, the culture, uh, like the literal culture. Oh, let's see, it's not working. Um, the the literal culture of, uh, of of fermented soybeans in in China, right? And so, and and it goes on. It talks about these, some of these fermentation processes. And so, anyway, so so we'll link to the video. Bruce Bruce writes. Um, I, I however, I simply cannot get my mind around how some of these practices might go horribly wrong. 
might not go horribly wrong from time to time. Um, probably just says I don't understand formation of beans. No, I think you got it, Bruce. Uh, I guess that means I should not try this at home. Uh, if it was a risky or not question, he would say a dumb white guy tries to replicate thousands of years of the old process for fermenting beans in the backyard. So some of the fermentation processes he's talked about in this video are quite long. And so my, my initial reaction was, well, you know, it's culturally, it's probably safe, you know, like, like sauerkraut is probably safe as long as you get the, the salt concentration right. I found a bunch of really good articles. I found a really nice article from Keith Steinkraus at Cornell. Um, and then I found a bunch of other uh, things on Google Scholar, uh, food safety risks in traditional fermented food from Southeast Asia, lactic acid bacteria in traditional fermented Chinese foods, and then perhaps most relevant, understanding China's food safety problem and analysis of 2,378 incidents of acute foodborne illness. So, uh, yeah, so what, have you played around with uh, uh, soybean fermentation at all? We, we haven't. My... Um, my only real, and this is, I, I think, outside of what's shown in the um, in the video, my only mm -hmm. experience has been with around tempeh. And we've talked about the outbreak that it right. was um, uh, Salmonella paratyphi B-linked, um, a tempeh-linked outbreak that happened here in North Carolina about a decade ago. But other than that, and that's- uh, it was Smiling Hannah? Smi smiling Hera, yes. Smiling Hera. Yeah, yep. Un unpasteurized, which now they pasteurize everything. and From um, Bunkum. <laughs> yep, from Bunkum. That's right. I think that was the name of the- That was the name of the episode. The episode, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but then I did find, so you did some Googling and I also found an article um, about um, uh, impact of bacillus in fermented soybean mm -hmm. foods on-, yep. on um, human health and that there have been some uh, bacillus subtilis um, illnesses that, um, yeah, where is it? Oh no, sorry, not illnesses. I got that incorrect. That there were anti-pathogenic um, activity by bacillus. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Subtilis. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that, that, but I couldn't, I couldn't really find anything pathogen wise um, that, that would be real, like, but so tell me about that, um, th that one article about the, you know, cases of foodborne illness in China. Did it basically say that this was a risk factor, these fermented soybean products? Yeah. So it looks like, um, most of the illnesses are from animal food. Uh, and, and so in descending order, animal-based food, meat, unspecific seafood, poultry, animal organs, pork, beef, other indigenous meats. Oh wait, oh, sorry. So uh, plant-based foods, sorry. So, so that, yeah, so that was the animal foods, plant-based foods, 25% uh, of the incidents, animal-based foods, about 50%. Um, in plant-based foods, it goes vegetables, rice, noodles, tofu. So about 2% tofu, other plant-based foods, yeah, so it doesn't, let me do a search here. Um, I don't know if it found anything specific. Yeah, fermented. Okay, here we go. The following foods have a very close association with very specific food pathogens. Fermented soybean food, particularly stinky tofu, which is which is not a not a disparaging term. It's the actual name of the food. Stinky tofu has a high association with con contamination with Clostridium botulinum. Um, kidney beans, if uncooked or not fully cooked, contain PHA toxin. All right, that's probably not right relevant. Poisonous mushrooms. Yeah, so not there's not a lot of mention of, of soybeans, right? Um, yeah, so uh, I mean, again, you know, the, these uh, my my gut feeling is if there there 
there's if you do everything the way you're supposed to do it with these traditional foods, um, you know, there's a reason why these these techniques are still used, right? And they have stood the test of time is that most of the time you don't get sick from it. Right. But, but exactly, like, I'm surprised that not more people have studied, like, why, you know, like, what what is it about these foods that makes them safe? And may, maybe people have, and I'm just missing them. Um, but again, that, that, that Steinkraus article is quite, is quite nice. It, unfortunately, it's not, it's, it's a, just a PDF. It's from 1999, I think, it's 1997. So um, a little bit hard to access online, but yeah. I bet, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reach out to our friend, Fred Bright, because if anybody mm. knows about fermented things from who's doing what, if there is any safety or um, safety data on this, he would know. He, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, and there are there are some fermented soy foods in the in the the second article that I mentioned the uh, food safety risk of traditional fermented food from Southeast Asia. There is a a, a lot of mention of of illnesses from soy foods, but that's mm. like yeah, soy sauces. Yeah, um, but I don't know if those are traditional fermentations, right? You know, the other thing, other person we should probably reach out to is Randy Warabo. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, it's, yeah, I, I was surprised that like, there wasn't something like really, you know, the, I mean, I was, I was pleased to find the article on the 200 and 2,800 and 2,387 incidents, um, which would also be a great show title. Um, but, uh, but that didn't, um, that, did, that didn't really drill down to fermentate, like, like the, uh, Bruce's question is specifically about these long soybean fermentations that last for, for months or, or a year or more. And I, I didn't really find too much about that. And again, I think part of the issue is that, that some, some of these are very regional, right? And so they're, they're all slightly different. So, mm. yeah. Hmm. Anyway, one to, one to ponder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about this, uh, this really interesting article in the Atlantic by Rachel mm -hmm. Gutman. Sure. Um, uh, and so this, this came across, like, I know you put it in here. Um, our oh, friend came, Cuff, yeah. Yeah. Kate came at us from several directions. So many different places. I think we were tagged on Twitter by a few people. Yep. Um, this is one of my told you in, in the holidays. I was, I, I caught up on all my news reading, you know, I'm, I, there, again, there are a lot of hot takes on Apple news. I'm a Apple news plus subscriber. And so I get all of these magazines and I spend a lot of time like bookmarking articles that I should read <laughs> from like <laughs> the Atlantic and slate and New Yorker and, you know, lots of things. And this was one that I read in real time because I was like on this, this published on December 29th. And it, I actually think I follow Rachel Gutman on Twitter as well. Um, but I, or maybe, maybe I fall, oh, let's look. I don't, but I do now. Uh, but I, uh, I saw this in real time and I read it and I was like, oh, it's really, you know, really interesting. So, so essentially Rachel writes this, this um, relatively, um, you know, I, I guess in-depth article about her thoughts and experience around understanding risk um, around like raw cookie dough and pancake batter pie crust there's there's a whole bunch of things that that she sort of um you know talks about in this and um you know the 
uh, through the article, the, the headline is a very radical, very delicious take on risk management. When times are dark, I lick the bowl. Um, and so she, you know, she talks a little bit, it starts off about um, foodborne illness and, um, and CDC talking about why uh, it's important to maybe uh, avoid um, uh, raw flour containing um, foods. Um, she quotes Betty Fang, friend of ours from Purdue, um, and uh, that that it's like this eating raw um, cookie dough is like a very North American thing. So it's not a lot of international folks would eat these um, these products. And then um, so she does. You know, Rachel goes through talking to a variety of other um, researchers and and basically, um, you know, at, at the end, um, I, I feel like she she kind of says, um, you know, she still eats some raw cookie dough, um, even though it's risky and um, you know, that, you know, so for me, I hit a raw cookie dough it might make me almost as happy as say going to a concert. But if I go to a concert these days, I'll be ratcheting up risk for myself and other fans. When I scrape this out of the bowl and let the resulting dollop melt in my mouth, it's easier to feel in control. Like the risks I take are mine alone. The rules don't change either. Today's raw ch chocolate chip cookie dough isn't likely to be any less or more dangerous than the Peter, peanut butter variant I mix up with next Tuesday. If I don't plan to eat cookie dough in June, then spend six months fretting over whether I'll actually be able to eat it when the time comes. It's instant, instantaneous, a fleeting joy, and there's no time over to agonize what it means. A blink, a swallow, and it's over. So. But but I, I don't know. I, I what yeah, what, well, what did I you guess, think of the well, article? Well, what all? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't characterize it as in depth. I mean, it, yeah, it feels it feels breezy to me. I mean, she did her research, but she already kind of knew what she wanted to say at the beginning, which is I'm going to just eat this, right? right? I don't care what the experts say. Um, I guess what I would say is if people want to eat raw dough, let me suggest that you buy pasteurized eggs or you can actually make, if you have sous vide, you can actually sous vide your own eggs. Uh, I don't know the recipe, but I think you can, you can make a liquid. You can, you can't, I mean, I know you could do it because, because food companies do it. And I've got to imagine um, if you have a, a sous vide device, it makes it relatively easy. You can, you can sous vide the eggs so they remain liquid. Um, but they are quote unquote safe. And then you can, uh, you can, you can heat the flour. And then if that's what you want to do, again, it, that's not going to give you the best tasting cookies, <laughs> but if you just want to eat raw dough, that's the way to do it. Right. So, right. And, and again, or you just take a risk and realize that it's one in or three in 10,000 eggs that are positive, And then some very, also very small risk, but not, not zero risk of illness from the flour. And I would be, I would be really careful about, feeding this to young kids or the elderly or people who are immunocompromised. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure you can, I'm, you know, again, I mean, I, I risk, I wish Rachel well, I mean, I'm not, again, what we have long said on this podcast is we don't want to tell people what to do. We just want to tell them how to do it safe. If how to make what they're doing as safe as possible or to reduce the risk as much as possible. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, when I, when I said, in depth, what I really liked was her discussion of how she's making the risk decision, right? Like, right. like, like that there, there is a thoughtfulness of what she wrote here. Now, I don't, it's a different risk decision than what I would make, but I appreciated the journey that she took us on. 
And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was not a bad, it was not a bad article. I mean, yeah. it was a good article and, and she definitely, I mean, I like the, the link to Betty Feng's article, which is, uh, which is published yes. in journal of food protection, consumer knowledge and behaviors regarding food safety risks associated with wheat flour. I mean, I think that's was good. And she did talk to a bunch of experts. I mean, I wish she talked to you or me, but you know, we can't, we can't always be the expert, Ben. No, we're good. Right. Like we, we do, we talk <laughs> we to each other. We can talk and we can talk about it here on the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But and hey, Rich is going to be freaked out because we both started following her at the same time. Yeah, yeah that's right. She'll be like, what just happened? Um, one thing that I think is really fun, and it doesn't happen to us often, and I think less so now in the midst of um, in, in the midst of COVID, because there's just not a lot of there, there's no there's not a lot of extra public health space in news. Yeah. But it's kind yeah, of fun yeah. when food safety is in the Atlantic, right? Oh, like, yeah, 100%. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, there. Um, I've been uh, with my Apple news sort of like all in, I, I created a food safety channel to, to pull everything from Apple news. And it's kind of, mm-hmm. it's always kind of fun when it, when food safety shows up and it's something new, like mm-hmm. something that I hadn't heard about um, before, or it, it appears in a, in a big like magazine. And so, yeah, yeah, it's so anyway, seeing food safety in the Atlantic is good. Yes. Um, what else? What else should we, let me go to the, let me go to the folder here. Okay. Do we have any other feedback? We did buffet. Oh, we've got, we've got a lot. I mean, we've got Carl Custer uh, talking about miasma. Um, <laughs> we do. We've got. Effective high pressure processing on the safety and shelf life and quality of milk. We got- yeah, so we'll, the Carl Custer one is quick. So he says, yeah. uh, um, so this is in reaction to our episode uh, 237, My Twinkie Smells Like Poop. Um, Carl writes, if Beelzebub hadn't invented aerosols, I'd agree, but... And then he gives a citation, coliform aerosols emitted by a sewage treatment plant published in Science um uh and then uh yeah so anyway he goes on from there but uh, we'll, we'll link to the science article i still i still think uh the 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 twinkie smells like poop is, is not risky but yeah. <laughs> right 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 but but carl gives us he's always given us some extra stuff that will that that it doesn't, uh, that doesn't always make sense it's not always immediately clear what it is he's the point he's trying to convey but i we we love him dearly for trying to convey it so in fact for that exact thing yeah yes um, so yeah, the other one here, we got to, and I'll probably get this, let me, I remember responding to this, but I don't remember who sent it to us. Um, maybe it was Randall, Randall Uten as well. Um, Ulten, um, about, uh, using high pressure processing for making raw milk safe. Oh, there, I think it was, it might've yeah. been Randall. Yeah. It's a really cool paper that I hadn't seen before. Yeah. So, so the, uh, uh, th- this was, ha- I think it was in Australia or New Zealand, maybe sort of a policy decision to allow for raw milk if it had been under what you know, cold pasteurization or high pressure po- processing, whatever marketing term you want to use, um, for it. Uh, and so there was an art, uh, a, a paper that was published in 2019, Innovative Food Science and Emerging Technologies. And Randall tagged us in, for our thoughts on this. And I went to the paper and saw that they were able to use this technology to get a five log reduction for 
the pathogens that I think we would think are most important in raw milk as a starting point, E. coli, salmonella, and Listeria monocytogenes. And then, um, it, it, so I, you know, I kind of said, yeah, I think this is a good technology. Yeah. And his response was, I wonder if people who want to drink raw milk would see this as an acceptable That's... intervention, which is another bigger question, right? Don't yeah. know. Yeah. But, Don't know. but yeah. And, and is it, if it went under high pressure, is it, is it true, truly raw? Well, it's certainly not straight from the cow. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> unless, I don't know. I think it would be a bad idea to put the cow under high pressure processing. Yeah, it's you, not good. It's not, not, not going to, no, it won't, won't give us the milk that we're looking for. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. So, yeah, I think that was it that we had in, oh, and we, there was a, um, Deep Crimson, who is always a, a great contributor to, to our, uh, to the show in an email, oh, um, yes. sent us a really great link to, uh, three stooges, um, crash goes the hash, um, episode where Mo washes a Turkey. And that was in response to something that we had talked about, I think around, um, um, uh, Turkey or tur Turkey or chicken washing at some point, but, but always just a shout out to deep crimson, who I think is a few episodes behind by, um, by admission, but, but always is, is very thoughtful in emails that's, that, um, that are sent to us. Indeed. Uh, I think that might be a show. I think we got to everything that's here. Yeah. Well, there's still, there's always more stuff because we never well, there's get to it all, but yeah, but it's, it's, some of this is old. Yeah. It's old. That we're never going to get to, um, let's go back to the thing that's oldest in here. Um, Oh, we actually did this one. This YouTuber built built a machine that slaps a chicken until it's cooked. So that one that one goes back to April. So maybe we just maybe I'll just delete some stuff out of here. Um, uh, you could do that, yes. Yeah, may, may or maybe I won't. Um, all right. Well, as always, Don, um, I like I like talking to you, and I'm glad we're back uh, after our holidays and back into like a normal kind of schedule. And uh, and yeah, so I'll talk yeah, to you later. Um, I'm glad you made it back from Canada. Uh, I'm glad that you, you know, you didn't get sick apparently from brushing your teeth with well water nope. or uh, leftovers on New Year's Eve. Yep. Uh, or reusable for too long or yep. yeah. Reusable uh, plastic bags hanging on faucets of sinks. Oh, right. 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 Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so that's good. So yep. good. Welcome. Welcome back. Um, and a happy new year. Thanks. All right. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye.
woman, you're, you're just breaking news in Twitter. Woman swaps out roommate's food with vegan alternatives, ends up charged with a felony. Oh my. Don't, don't take my bacon. Whoa, a felony. That seems harsh. Yeah. The story was posted on Reddit. Oh, you know, you know, Dane's going to be all over this. The author says she was looking for a replacement roommate after one of hers moved out. No, but no doubt. She said she met a girl named Aaron who said she wasn't, she was a vegetarian, that it wasn't a problem if her roommates weren't. But apparently Aaron said she wanted to do something nice and cook pancakes, bacon stripped and hash browns. The woman says she had severe allergies, but didn't mention them. She told me it was regular bacon, not that it was fake bacon, that it had soy. It's an allergy of food safety story, Don. We're going to save this for later. Cool. Don't switch out the... Uh, oh, don't lie to people about what food you're giving them. because No, don't, don't tell them it's regular bacon when it's got soy and then they have allergic... Yeah, a felony. Food tampering. Mm. Wow, that is kind of harsh, but I get it. I get it. Oh, this is good. This this must have been the from the uh, am I the asshole? I know she, uh, she's the asshole for lying about food. I want to know whether I'm the asshole for everything I did after, which included the person going to, to getting charged with a felony. Aaron began apologizing, but she was already going into anaphylactic shock. Whoa, oh my God. that's not good. All right. Oh, that's not good at all. I'm going to tweet about this. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll say something witty. Allergies, no joke. <laughs> That's it. That's the tweet. I'm I, the the more and more I'm in. I'm I'm not on Twitter. Like I'm reading a lot, but I'm not posting a lot. The more and more I'm just posting like drill, <laughs> or uh -huh. or Darth. <laughs> Um, hey, right. So I, you, you asked me to do homework for this episode, which I, I actually sort of did, um, but we didn't get to it. What was the, right? what was the homework I asked you to do? The head, the Hedberg thing. Oh, that's right. That's why it was still there. I, review. Yeah. I looked at it and I was like, you know what, this is, it's still here, but we talked about it, but we didn't, I, I forgot that we had to do, well, um, yeah. I, I, I didn't read the whole thing. I read the summer executive summary. It's a, it's good. I'm glad he did it. I'm not sure that there's much to talk about on the show. Yeah. Okay. But, we, but whatever. It's up to you. No, that's all right. We're let's leave it in there. And if we run out of content and the internet's closed, then we can do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um. Okay. Cool. So let's look at. Um. We tried to schedule some stuff for the the week of. January 17th already. So we found risky or not on the 20th. Do you want to, what do you, what do you want to do for food safety talk? So I'm, um, I'm not, I don't know about my availability on the 18th yet. Cause I might be driving back all day from Florida, but you had some, you couldn't do the 19th, I think. Right. A 19th. I've, I'm busy from about 10 30. Yeah. Um, and I'm busy and earlier. Then, and then we've got food Kobe net yeah. in the afternoon and then other stuff. So, yeah. And then we've got the kneecaps thing on the 20th in the morning. Yeah. Yep. Um, so what about the 21st and do you have time in the morning? Um, I have lab meeting at 10, but I can move that to 11. 
So we can um, do nine to 11. Yeah, we can do nine to 11, if that's okay. Yeah, I sure. could also do 11 to one. Um, the, the problem is if I do 11 to one, that doesn't give me a lunch break. Okay. So yeah, well, let's go 11, nine to so 11. Let me, let me do lab meeting uh, from 11 to 12, and then we'll do food safety talk from nine. Okay, to cool. 11. All right. Um, that is in there. Um, yeah, we're already going with the two Michelles. Okay. And I already have showed, I've got the art already downloaded. Nice. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, I'm going to, uh, I gotta, I gotta run to something else here at three, but I'll try and edit this tonight. Okay, cool. I'll put the links in the Dropbox. Perfect. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.